Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Tent Talks. And this week, we are continuing a conversation about grief with Lacey Rogers. Hi, I'm just here to cry. <laughs> Lacey, you're a Pisces. And that's part of being a Pisces <laughs> is having the deep, the deep grief waters. Yeah, right? I feel a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's good. I mean, did you want me to use the cry voice? <laughs> I can. I just don't know if it's appropriate right now. I'm sorry. I said I wasn't going to do this. <laughs> I do this every time. I ball. I'm just kidding. I wish I really cried like that. I'm going to have Michael record me next time. I'll be like, oh, joke's on me. That is what you sound like. <laughs> oh, man. The first few times that I like really allowed myself to cry as an adult, I got super embarrassed for myself afterwards because I was like wailing. Mm -hmm. And there have only been a few times in my adult life where I really let myself become unhinged and like make those very audible sounds. We had talked in the first episode of the importance, I think, of being an example, like in grief. And when mm -hmm. you talk about that, it like shakes this memory that I have of witnessing my dad weep. Mm. My dad is a cattleman. He's a rancher and a cowboy. And I remember him grieving and weeping over his best horse years ago. That's something that has always stuck with me of like how important it was for me to witness a man really grieve and weep and cry. And I don't even know if he remembers, but it left such a huge impact on me. Yeah. Well, my dad, one of the only times I've seen him cry was over the death of one of our dogs. Yeah. And I don't think I really saw him cry ever and I wouldn't have called it a weep, but he was really, he was, I mean, there were tears. Mm -hmm. I, I think animals just have that way of getting straight to the heart. Yeah. I think uh, if we're walled up emotionally, all we got to do is watch one of those dog films Marley from the me. 90s. I know, Homeward Bound. <laughs> oh, wreck me. <laughs> Are you kidding? Chance. Is it Chance or Chase the dog? I don't know, but... <laughs> Chance sounded right. Oh, yeah. And was it Sassy? It was the cat. Oh, we don't need to go on a tangent. Oh, besides yeah. But what, yeah, what is it about like the animals they do for so many? They like it's straight the to the heart, straight yeah. to the heart. So last episode, we talked about shock being the physical sensation mm -hmm. of shock and how that's a stage of grief. We talked about denial. Anger, bargaining. Mm -hmm. And then this time we're going to talk about depression. And I just wanted to well, lead into that. One. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think <laughs> we, we know a thing or two about depression. Depression, I, I heard this man talking about depression on TikTok. And he was just saying that he was this person that just didn't feel anything. And he, that was something he prided himself on. Like, I'm just really neutral. I just don't have these ups and downs. And his therapist had to describe to him that that is actually depression, uh -huh. like not feeling things. And then that totally flipped him into this 
journey with himself of like, oh my gosh, this thing that I've been like praising is actually depression. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jokes on us. I know, but that's probably something that I would have said like, no, I'm I'm pretty like pretty baseline, yeah. you know, whatever. I can handle things, but that was I feel like a lot of old Lacey. Yeah. Uh for me. Yeah. Yeah. Old Stacy stuff too. Yeah. I'm a feeler now. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I think I prefer it. <laughs> it's pretty rough. Yeah. But what I've noticed for anybody who is afraid to step into their feelings as I spent my entire life basically feeling that way until a few years ago, I didn't realize that there was so much joy and so much lightheartedness and softness and like just having your heart turn quickly to something beautiful. I didn't know that meant feeling too. Yeah. Oh my God. You're right. We do miss out so much when we don't feel. Yeah. So absolutely. It's kind of shitty to feel big feelings and like take the time and space to let the energy go through your body but it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't last forever. We think it will. Yeah. It doesn't. And especially when you get into somatic practice, it doesn't make it gone. It just makes it so that it's not this. Okay. This is how I describe it. It's like when you procrastinate something and you build it up so much in your head. Mm-hmm. And then by the time the thing actually happens, you're like, oh, it wasn't that bad. But yet yeah. you've spent months avoiding it. Or your entire life. Like yeah. this is what I've been doing lately, you know, processing childhood trauma. And now I'm at this point, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe my body did such a good job at protecting me from this. You know, it's actually yeah. quite like astonishing, you know. Uh, for me, though, it took having to get to, and I think this is something important to talk about, when we start to feel safe enough to express emotion, honestly, mm-hmm. I think that is like a big piece. You know, when we talk about when we can get caught up in these loops with our grief or trauma or whatever, that's one that I can identify of like, oh, I've always... I've needed to create a safe space for myself so that I could go to these kind of darker places and actually feel these feelings that I am really good at running away from and talking about but not feeling. Talking about but not feeling. That was um, the theme song to my sitcom (laughs) right there. (laughs) Yeah. I got stuck in that loop for so long. Like I can articulate this. I can find even beautiful ways to articulate this. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean shit. Mm -hmm. Because it has to really go through the body and the cells and breathe it and feel it. And how I started doing that, maybe now is a good time to share my process with Mm -hmm. people. I call it the Lord's work. Mm. But it happened when I started using cannabis really regularly. Mm. And that was kind of in 2019, 2020. And I would just stretch 
I would just take it and then I would feel so embodied that I'd want to stretch. And when I'd get to that point of pain in the stretch, whatever the stretch was, where my body was like, can't do it, I would just start make myself cry. I would just start crying. Mm -hmm. And the these reliefs, uh, this like this floodgate of relief would just open. Mm-hmm. And I would just be basically doing a forward fold, crying my eyes out. The former yoga teacher in me like wants to cry listening to this because I'm like, Stacy, you're doing yoga. Yeah. If I could just shout from the rooftops to people like what you're describing, I'm like, that's yoga. You know, and it, yeah. you know, I used to teach like yin and it's all about, okay, you're going to find your edge of discomfort and it's all always a metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. But you find your edge of discomfort and then you surrender to it. And this is basically how I moved through depression in 2020 is I would just cry in poses of stretching mm. on my floor. Yeah. And then I became good at moving energy through my body and emotion. And so now I don't have to, I mean, I still do the same routine of just like taking a gummy and, and putting on a playlist and dimming the lights and stretching. I still do that, but I can, I can do it differently of accessing that stuck, stagnant energy in my body. And I, I can just simply do it in the moment. And I don't need medicine to get there. I don't need all the manipulatives, the dim light, the, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be such a tight container because I, I have this practice now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also a big joy of feeling your feelings is that what once used to take me like several hours is now something that I can just do five, 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. What does that look like on the fly for you? In a situation, I can notice myself getting activated or upset. Mm -hmm. And I can take my breathing down. So instead of breathing like really superficial in my chest Mm -hmm. or not paying attention, I can start breathing. I can also start moving. I like to move my eyes a lot. Mm. And you can also, this is hard for the listeners to understand maybe, but I'll try to explain it. I put one hand on the back of my head and the other hand on my forehead. And that just really regulates me really fast. And just like, it's like I'm holding my brain stem and my, I I call that crushing the head like a nut. Yeah. Just crushing my head like a nut. And it feels so good just to hold and regulate and breathe for a minute. Mm. And you remember to pull that one out of my back pocket. Yeah, also a hand on the heart. Hand Mm -hmm. on the heart is so easy. And then maybe hand on the heart, hand on the stomach. Mm -hmm. That is just so comforting to me. And I don't don't feel embarrassed doing that in public. I might feel a little bit embarrassed crushing my head in public. Mm -hmm. But like I... I would never feel uncomfortable putting my hand on my heart in public because I think it's just something normal you can do. Yeah. Like it's often even like that's how people listen to other people when they're talking. But you can also just do it if you're feeling really activated by what somebody is saying. Mm. You can just put your hand on your heart and slow your breathing down. The breath. Mm Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, 
It used to be a several hour with a lot of variables that I had to make just right to be able to like slow down enough to feel my feelings. Now I've gotten better at it. Yeah. That was my way out or through depression. I think depression is something that is very present in my life. Yeah. Same. Same. I guess I was just like thinking of this kind of funny concept, and I know it's probably familiar for you too, like how throughout my life up to this point, this past couple of years, I was the teacher of all of these things, but they weren't embodied within myself, right? Whether that was me being the yoga teacher, you know, the mental health mentor, like whatever it was. And so I just, I sit and I nod and I smile because it's like, all of the bullshit that I know, right, that I was teaching these skills, but it's so different to embody them. And it's so fun, I guess, to just feel like a baby in all of it, to listen back, right, to you, these mm-hmm. things that's like past Lacey, like, yes, I know these things, right? But it's so different when you actually start practicing them and striving to embody them and not just talking about your feelings, but feeling them. It was literally just like two weeks ago that I said to you, Stacy. I was like, oh, turns out I actually really suck at feeling my feelings. And I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no idea mm-hmm. because I had, you know, I'd worked in mental health for 15 years and I was the model of how to like do all of these things. And I was the yoga teacher and, you know, and so that's just... I don't know. I know that can be hard maybe for some people, but it's kind of, I sit back in awe now, right? And this is kind of how my life teaches me of like, okay, Lacey, you know the tools, but now how will you apply them and use them for yourself? Because I'm a person that always wants to be outside of myself, outside of my body, doing codependent, you know, behaviors with other people. But it's so different. It's so different to actually like practice them and embody them. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there's far more of us that are operating out of a place of just that we, we have the knowledge. And so we think we're the teachers and, you know, we want to like proselyte these skills, but it's just another way that we're getting caught up in that uh, grief loop right? Of whether that is the compromising, the bartering or whatever, um, that we can tell ourselves because we know these skills, surely we've embodied them. But what I have learned is, oh no, you can know, you can know it all, but embodying it is a different process and a different story. So I love hearing you break it down because I'm sure everyone's listening and they're like, Yeah, we've heard that a million times before. Get in your body, like your breath. Oh, yoga, blah, 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 you know? But it's also like, but have you tried doing it with presence? And have you Mm -hmm. tried doing it in your body? It's so different. When something is, yeah, actually coming up. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah, because the body will force you to do it. But when you say to yourself, I'm going to do this, by choice. Mm-hmm. It's a very different process. Yeah. This is going to sound weird, but I was a thumb sucker mm-hmm. growing up. 
I don't know how old I was when I stopped, but in part of my somatic work, one night I decided to suck my thumb just mm-hmm. to try. Like, why was I doing this for so long? Mm-hmm. Like, cause I'd heard all this stuff about like, sometimes people do it cause it puts that pressure um, on your bones that are fusing there uh-huh. um, on the roof of your mouth. And so like, sometimes it feels good to just like put the pressure there. Oh, it does. Yeah. I just tried it. And I, I've just kind of been thinking and trying to feel somatically like, I wonder why I needed that pressure on the roof of my mouth. Hmm. And I haven't gotten to the bottom of it, but I have even experimented with things like that. What's something I used to do as a kid all the time? Mm-hmm. Well, I used to suck my thumb. Yeah. I was a nail biter. Okay. What was I like soothing? What was it about? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it do for you? Yeah. Some of these behaviors that were like, bad we were just yeah trying to be in our bodies yeah that was our way of being in our bodies yeah Hmm. really interesting yeah depression can also look like shut down and sleeping a lot and that's something i'm very susceptible to i'm really good at that yeah and i think it's important to talk about like sure depression can mean not having a lot of access to your feelings or feeling sad all the time, but it can also just look like overwhelm or like needing to sleep a lot. Yeah. That's totally part of it. And allowing yourself to do that because especially in situations, it's situational, you know, you're not going to be in bed forever. Yeah, And it's hard to trust that because once you get in a cycle, you're like, I could be here forever. Yeah. Will I ever feel good again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But maybe just allowing yourself to lay in bed, maybe that's the answer. If your body's saying do it, then try it. Yeah. Most of us don't have the luxury to even be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's a privilege big time. Yeah. A lot of things have to line up for you to lay in your bed. Right. (laughs) Don't, don't get me going. (laughs) (sighs) We don't need to talk about capitalism today. (laughs) Don't get me going on privilege. (laughs) Acceptance comes after depression. I kind of like that, that journey. I think you get worn down and, and you get slow and then, and then you can say, okay. This is how it is. Yeah. And once you trigger that like submission and acceptance, things automatically get better because you have to be worn down to that level to finally just say, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is what it is. Yeah. I was talking to a midwife yesterday. She came in for a massage and she was telling me about the look on a woman's face because all women are secretly hoping to give birth at 38 weeks. Well, if you're working with a midwife, good luck because they're not going to like start you Mm -hmm. or like artificially start you at 38 weeks. And so midwives are really experts at body language and reading bodies. Hmm. And there gets this point in a woman when you can physically see it on their face Mm -hmm. It's like they've been through this whole journey 
Like if, if a woman's walking in and she's pumped and she's ready to go and she's walking miles and do, mm-hmm. she's, she's not going to have a baby. Yeah. That's, that's her and her like hope and that she can like change the situation and yeah. have like power in it. But when she is completely surrendered into this place of acceptance and worn completely down, like all her hope is down. Like I have done everything, yeah. but it just comes to this place of like complete devastation and acceptance that she's not in charge. That's the moment when she can go into labor. Well, yeah, that's the moment acceptance is the release, like Mm -hmm. labor. You can't, you can't do it uh, with restriction. Yeah. You can, it's really painful. Yeah. That's when there has to be a lot of intervention and force. I like that. And it's also interesting that most women go into labor in the middle of the night when they're resting, Mm -hmm. when they're completely in a surrendered state. I had that fun experience of having gone into labor. And then when my body did not feel safe any longer, it slowing and stopping. That happens to people a lot, especially people who've had trauma. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the moment your body doesn't feel safe. That it, yeah, even something as natural and intense as like child labor that my body was like, actually, we're going to wait a second. We're going to like, mm-hmm. till we feel safe again. I've been devastated about Turkey and Syria and the, the earthquakes, but mm-hmm. whenever there's a natural disaster, I automatically think of birth. I go to my midwife brain and... And in like literal crises like that, the body, what it usually does is it ejects the baby fast because it's all about survival. Mm. And in order for a woman to survive, she needs to get that baby out. Okay. Another thing is almost the opposite where the baby flips and it goes breach because it would be better at that point than to just stay in for survival. Uh Uh-huh. It's really weird, but there have been a lot of horrifying imagery of like babies still attached to umbilical cords Mm -hmm. and, and like the placenta and the mom is dead, but the baby's alive. Yeah. I've seen some imagery like that with the earthquake and it's been really devastating, but it reminded me of this thing that the body does. It's like our bodies are so hardwired for survival Mm -hmm. and like part of surviving is accepting reality. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Damn. We have to accept it. Mm -hmm. And another way that we accept reality is mindfulness practices. Mm. And you talk to a lot of people in the industry of mindfulness and they make it seem like so easy. And again, it's one of those like logical states of being. We've all heard it a million times. Yeah. 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 Tell us something new. What does it mean to be somatically mindful? It means Mm -hmm. like having gone through like all of these horrible stages. Mm. (laughs) It's getting to that place of surrender. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It takes a lot of work. I've tried everything else. Yeah. 
yeah, I've been run down. Mm-hmm. And finally, I, this is where I am. I'm here. Tired. Yeah. Yeah. Lord knows I know it. <laughs> oh. So after acceptance in in the seven stages of grief protocol is processing. And that's when you're doing your therapy, you're building mm-hmm. relationships, and you're like reorganizing your life, your information. Like, okay, now that I know this information, I fully accept it. Yeah. Now I need to like start working with what I've got. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we like to just jump there, you know, like I'll just get a life coach. Mm-hmm. They'll just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't always work. Yeah, because, I mean, you can do it and you, again, you can perform it. You can even teach it. Mm -hmm. I'm the clown. It's me. But until, yeah, there's an understanding within the body, it's just a whole different rodeo. Yeah. Yeah. And I I like thinking about the Kim Kron's alchemy deck. Uh Uh-huh. She has a whole series. She does a tarot deck, an animal guidance deck, and then she does the archetype and the alchemy. Mm -hmm. And she has set it up based on really the process of alchemy and the stages of alchemy, all under the umbrella of Jungian psychology, Mm -hmm. which is so beautiful. And I could just spend forever basking in her work. But anyway, her alchemy deck goes through the stages of alchemy in the introduction. And her guidebooks are so cool to read. But part of the alchemical process is working with exactly what is. And so she says, you cannot call grief gratitude. Mm. You can't call sugar salt. Mm hmm. Like you have to be really honest because it changes, you know, the process of like making things. Yeah. And if anybody has ever made cookies and forgot salt or put, you know, the wrong ingredient, you know, like it will not turn out. Life doesn't turn out. Healing doesn't turn out. Like all of, all of those things are just facades. That's not, it, that's not real until you actually are radically honest and working with the ingredients that you have. So even if you don't have that many ingredients, but they're all like true and honest and you know what they are, that's miles ahead of somebody who's working with a huge laboratory and all of their products are mislabeled. I mean, can you even imagine how long that would take? So sometimes I think we can get down on ourselves about like, what our capacity as a human being or what our privileges or what our resources are. But if we're like honest and aligned and feeling, it's okay to start working with what we have. Yeah. Cause it's better than working with a lot of things and having it be dishonest. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes like those efforts, they look like the right thing, right? But it's like the energy we bring to the table. You know, I think about, I'm like, nobody's, I, maybe I shouldn't say nobody, but nobody's done as much therapy as this girl right here. Nobody can talk about these things, these traumas, these emotions outside of herself better than me, right? 
but that's not where my healing ultimately like came from. And so I think that's sometimes like a hitch for people is we're like, well, we're doing everything. We're checking our list and Mm -hmm. consider me healed. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. I'm excused from therapy until I need it again. It sounds like I'm healed. You know, Mm -hmm. no, I'm just really good at performing healing. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a layer of denial, right? Yeah. Like, I've done it all. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. Is acceptance when we can just laugh at ourselves? Yeah, maybe. Not taking yourself so seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Not thinking, yeah, we have it figured out. Oh, I know all the things I'm supposed to do, therefore I must be healed. Remember when we were talking about going on like healing journeys, like meditation visualization journeys, Mm -hmm. one of the first things that you have to learn is that you're like, you have to be humbled. It's you're not in charge of everything. And it's like the hardest thing to learn because you're like, what? I am. Yeah. But relinquishing control and accepting what is shows up all the time, even in a meditation space where you're going on a meditation journey. Right. You're like, oh, okay. I do have to accept some boundaries because even, you know, in meditation, you have to come out the same way that you went in so Mm -hmm. that you can like restore that process through your brain. Because when you're in an altered state, it's really important for you to have strong containers Mm. Otherwise, you can get kind of lost. Yeah. And we talk about that with like, I don't know, just people living in spiritual delusions and things. Mm -hmm. In order to do deep spiritual work, you have to be very grounded and you have to have strong boundaries. Right. Yeah. How can you be a strong container for other people if you haven't for yourself yet? Yeah. Yeah. And that really is the work of getting in the body and feeling feelings. And I think the a really easy place to start is grief because we're experiencing it all the time in a lot of areas. It doesn't necessarily have to be with a death. It could be a shift of a relationship, changing locations. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things to grieve, the state of the world. Mm-hmm. So I guess I wanted to outline the grief because it's been coming up so much for me lately. Mm-hmm. And I've just, like like we said in the last episode, I've just planned on us taking turns with friends mm-hmm. and just like supporting a new friend in their process of grief like every week. And is this what growing up is? Is finally all of us looking around and acknowledging that we all are in our own shit you know and we will all just take turns and you know ultimately this is you know what a healthy relationship is it's the give and take it's you know the support and then being supported in return yeah you know maybe that is maybe that's the indication that you know we grow up and we wake up and we see oh it's not just me having a hard time and I don't have to pretend to be this big giant hero in my story all the time, but we all have our, our shit and it's okay to take our turns. I'm still 
I don't know. I don't know if it's okay for me to take a turn, but everybody else can. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. I got to take my turn too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lacey, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been great conversation. I always like chatting. We have a good time. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And thank you to Kimberly Memet on production. Kimmy. Yes, making us sound great. And we hope to see you next week. If you if you like what you're hearing, like and subscribe. And um, we'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>